Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Sully. Yes? Do you know the last time we saw a movie that had this sort of visceral impact and made me go, oh... I don't know what you think the last time was, but I know what I think the last time was. I'd like to hear... Why don't we say at the same time the name of the movie we're talking about? Okay. Three, two, one. House House of of a Thousand thousand Corpses. corpses. Yes! Which means this movie made me very happy, (laughs) but in a very uncomfortable way. Oh, it's very uncomfortable. Very, very, very... Yes. This movie is called The Loved Ones from 2009, and it is Australian, and you know those Aussies. I think this might be my favorite movie from the whole month. Not so much the movie I most enjoyed watching. Nope. But this is the best horror movie we watched all month. (laughs) This movie had a bigger emotional impact on me than anything we've seen this month. Absolutely. There there are ones I rated higher than I'm going to rate this movie, but this movie just took over my brain and was like, this is what we're doing now. Yep. Whether you like it or not. Yep. I watched more of this movie through my fingers than I have any other movies this month. Probably all the other movies this month put together. Yeah. That's including... The ones that we spent the whole review talking about how they were just torture porn. Which, so is this. It is. But the difference, the magic, is that there's also a story behind it. There is definitely a story. fantastic. That story is of, boy, how to come at it. A kid who is going to go to prom, but they don't call it prom in Australia. It's no. whatever. The it's just formal the end dance. Of school dance. And he's going to go with his girlfriend, but some other girl at school asks him and he's like, "Sorry, I'm going with my girlfriend." And that of course leads to him being kidnapped by the girl he rejected and tortured. By her father because he's a right. good father and he wants his daughter to be happy. Yeah. I mean, she's his little princess for sure. For sure. So I didn't realize I was going to love this movie as much from the very beginning. Up until we find out who kidnapped him, I felt largely ambivalent about the story. Mm -hmm. And then it just took off. It just took (laughs) off. And everything about Lola and her dad and what's going on at that house and has been going on for years is just delightfully creepy. So I want to talk about the psychosocial aspects of this concept of the redneck family. Okay. Of their fiefdom that they rule over without oversight from the authorities. We've seen this trope. This is House of a Thousand Corpses. Yep. And Last House on the Left and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a redneck family 
that they are not a part of society, they're doing their own thing separate from our society, they've basically created their own mini-society. And they can because they are such outcasts within the normal society. Yes. And what happens in these movies is, yes, they murder and kill people, but they also always do a lot of other things that are taboo and bad. And yes. obviously the premise there is when you're making the movie, you're like, how can we make this as creepy as possible? And as uncomfortable as possible. Right. And so there's always incest involved. That's happening here. And other stuff like that. And what I came up with watching this movie is this idea that these movies, these creations, are a way of enforcing cultural norms, a way of reining in anybody who would try to stray outside of the rigid patriarchal rules of our society. People who are going to do something a little different, no, wait, you don't want to be the monster redneck family who has their own rules. Follow the right rules. They are 50s style control. I am fascinated by this take. I am curious as to whether that means that you think they are good or bad. Well, as it sounds, I think that's a bad thing to do. I think that's a tricky thing. It's like that whatever movie we were talking about with regarding socialism. It's like, yes, we, we do have to conform to a societal system because that's how we, you know, manage to take care of everybody and everything works. But also, we shouldn't constrain everybody so tightly. And I feel like this concept, without meaning to, it's like, it's, it's not something people came up with. It's a function of having a society. It's like the society itself, the, the entity that rules us, the alien overlord that lives in the top of Satellite 9, is okay, saying... Okay, okay, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I feel like this is getting away from you a little bit. No, no. This was that Doctor Who episode <laughs> yeah. with Simon Pegg. <laughs> okay. I'm that alien, it, it's like memes. It's Nobody came up with these rules. They just happen because they fall out of as a natural consequence. And so what's happening as a natural consequence of our society's taboos and restrictions is that people will make these stories of, let's be Let's put in these taboos being broken, and those are the worst people of all time. We don't want to be like them. So by being subversive in this movie, mm -hmm. they're actually being incredibly pro-culture, not counterculture. They're saying, do it the way you're supposed to do it. I mean, right there is a huge thing about counterculture. It is almost always, if it becomes <laughs> something that people are aware of, it becomes culture. True. It stops being counterculture. Yeah. That's just what happens. I, I'm fascinated. I, I really, I think you've hit on something here. I This adds a whole nother layer to my appreciation for a movie I've already said I appreciate very much. <laughs> so you like being kept in line is what you're saying. Oh, is that what you heard me say? I mean, you said you appreciate this movie, which is trying to keep people in line is what I was saying. It's a tool of the man. No, no. Okay, I want to be clear. I appreciate this movie, and I appreciate the theory you're presenting. Okay. I can appreciate the theory you're presenting without entirely buying into it. No, I, I understand. And I can appreciate the movie without completely buying into it. So, so I reject your putting those two things together and then shoving them in my mouth. 
Just say it. Well, you said after hearing my theory, you appreciate this movie more. So what is, what about that is the connection? The connection is, I appreciate the movie for what it made me think about. Ah. And I appreciate your theory for how it's adding to what I'm thinking it's about. more things to think about. Yes. Not that I buy into either you or the movie. <laughs> I get it. Okay. We lived in the midst of what I would consider this sort of redneck counterculture removing themselves from the more populated regulated areas intentionally so they could live a counterculture life when we lived in Anza, California. We sure did, yes. Like, I felt surrounded by people who had moved there intentionally so that they didn't have to follow the rules of society. We lived between... Guys who shouted white power during the night and a meth lab. Yes. It was a nice neighborhood. Yeah. And and we, you know, even lesser than that, like it wasn't necessarily all that big, but, you know, our next door neighbors were the people who let their kids run around the neighborhood, let their dog run around the neighborhood. You know, they would yell at each other. I, I just saw a Facebook reminder of this the <laughs> other day that I was complaining about how the neighbors yelling, just screaming at their kids to get in the car so that they could drive them to the bus and then letting their dog follow them in the car to the bus so that every every dog along the road would start barking. Like that happened every morning at 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. or whatever. Like that's not something that's allowed to happen in the middle of the city. Yeah. You don't get to disrupt everybody's life every single morning because you don't care about them when you live in a city. And that was just every day. Yeah. And then in the other direction, we had somebody who, if our dog went on their property and we went on their property to get our dog off, they threatened us with pellet guns. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, we lived in the midst of redneck fiefdom. Yeah. It all adds up. I wonder what was going on in those houses, huh? I I shudder to think. Okay, but in this house, in the Stone house, what was going on was that Lola Stone was looking for her prince. Yeah, well, understandably, because she was a princess. She was a princess. She wanted a prince. So her father, Daddy, would kidnap whichever boy she had her eye on. They would torture him. And when he wasn't good enough for her, because nobody's good enough for her, because what she really wanted was daddy, yep. they would throw them in a pit under their floor and keep them there forever and throw them possums and raccoons. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think you're overstating the case because they didn't just throw them in a pit. They drilled a hole in their head and boiled their brains with boiling water first. And injected their vocal cords with bleach so that they couldn't make any noise. Yeah, so they did that stuff. Right. So let's not be rude. It was an intense household. Yeah, it really was. So this is where Brent, the main character, ends up. The majority of the movie is him having been cordially invited (laughs) to prom at Lola Stone's house. It's made even more interesting by the fact that six months earlier, Brent got in a car accident that killed his father. But spoilers, the car accident was caused by one of the boys who escaped and was standing in the middle of the road. And that whole thing was just 
Mwah, brilliant. <laughs> and then we have these other two storylines that we're following where Brent's girlfriend, Holly, and his mother, who is a little messed up because her husband died in a car accident caused mm-hmm. by her son, she thinks, are having to like figure each other out. You know, like there's this, how do we get along? We both love the same person, but we don't love each other kind of thing. And there's the storyline of Brent's best friend, Jamie, who has the hots for and goes to the dance with Mia, who is messed up and drinks too much because she's sad because her brother went missing. How did that happen? Huh. He happened to be one of the people that Lola had her eye on previously. Weird. And then, of course, the cop is Mia's dad, and he's gets involved trying to find Brent. Like, there's these three storylines, and I made a note at one point. I'm like, how are these stories all going to come together? Because they were very disjointed at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But they did. They came, they came together. together beautifully. Yeah, they did. Now... This is a, a complicated issue that we have with this movie that we have tried to discuss earlier. Yes. So well, let's discuss it with all of you people. There were three boys under the floorboards in that house, which is as many as she showed us in her book. So that yes. seems to be all of them. She has a delightful little scrapbook of all the boys she's had crushes on yeah. and how things went as she brought them to her house which she shared with brent which is kind of tasteless like i mean don't show him the other guys you're into like that's nobody wants to hear you talk about your exes exactly especially when you keep them in a dungeon (laughs) nobody wants to be thrown down with your exes (laughs) but then there was the guy who got out from them and was out on the road which caused brent's car crash and because we only knew about three guys it makes sense that they captured him and got him back in there Except what they said in the movie was, that's the one that got away. He's probably dead now. Yeah, I wonder where he is. He's probably dead now. So I thought he was gone. And also, he was Mia's brother and the cop's son. Yes. He's the one who ties all the storylines together. So my theory, it doesn't explain the whole three boys thing. So assume there's another boy. And so there's legitimately three in there and he got away. Okay. My theory was that her cop dad actually found him, which makes sense because he was went to the accident, and ended up killing him without telling his family because he was non-functional. Like, he's not even a human being anymore. I am shocked. You're making the face you made during the movie. I'm speechless. They didn't... I want them to put that, that in there. There was nothing saying that, but I thought that was going to be explained. Okay, you're right, but everything fits. Like, mm-hmm. how... Oh, I like that. I'm making that headcanon for this movie. Yikes. I'm worried that, in fact, what happened is that there's a little bit of a plot snaggle there. Like, that they didn't quite do that right. I don't know how they could have messed that up. Though. I don't know, because everything else was so well done. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe if we watched it again, we would catch something that explained it. But I'm not sure I want to watch it again. I will not watch this again, just so everybody (laughs) knows. However much we are praising this movie, once is all I needed. Yeah. But I like that idea very much. I do. Thanks. A huge aspect of this movie is Brett's growth, right? His character arc is he starts out as a very normal, like, kind of sullen, but, you know, teenager guy driving around with his dad like everything's fine his dad dies in this car accident that he blames himself for 
because he swerved to miss the bleeding guy in the middle of the road after he had looked away from the road for a while. Yeah. And because of this accident, he's now, he, he smokes pot all the time. He's super depressed. He's cutting, like he's messed up and he thinks he wants to die. Yeah. And everything that happens to him makes him realize that he does not in fact, want to die. He definitely does. He's, he's working really hard not to die. And there's a point, like, I think one of the really, like, I want to say one of the neat things about the story, but it's not neat in, like, yay, happy. <laughs> not much is. Just neat in the, like, power of it, I guess, is that for part of the time that he is there, I don't think he does want to escape. He fights a little bit, but most of what he does is just sit there. And Yikes. it's almost like he's contemplating that maybe he could just let this happen hmm. and everything would be done. He <laughs> wouldn't he have to worry out. about the world anymore. Then he finds out that it's not going to be easy or pleasant, so maybe not. <laughs> well, and during the point where they're like drilling into his skull. They did that. And preparing to pour boiling water into the hole. Wow. Oh. Okay. Which, by the way, is based on Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. This um, wasn't something they made up. That was very disturbing that that's something Jeffrey Dahmer apparently did or tried to do. Not with boiling water, with acid. Oh, yeah. Perfectly reasonable, that. It's the boiling water that's crazy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, there is a moment there where they show him thinking about his dad and then his mom and his girlfriend. Yeah. And it clicks. And there's a, he just, it's like a switch in his brain. And he's like, you know what? I'm done with this. <laughs> You're going to have to bleep me. Sorry. And, and that's it. Like, that's it. He, from that point on, he does everything he possibly can to survive. Like, he just goes into full on survival mode. But up until that point, almost like he's thinking why fight it yeah i mean he did make his earlier escape attempt that was pretty aggressive and forceful so it's not super clear cut like that but but i, I can see that i think there's that midpoint like at first he's like this is terrible i'm supposed to escape from this like that's yeah, what you do that's what you do and then he gets caught again and he's just like yeah eh. Screw it. Well, there was also a point when he gets caught again and they're knifing his feet into the floor Ugh. and she wants him to cry. And he's like, all right, that's it. I'm not going to do it because he cuts himself all the time. He's like, pain is pain. Right. It's you, you think can you're get torturing me. This this is just making me feel something. This is what I wanted all along. Sort of. Yeah. A little disturbing. Yeah. So he was fighting back in a different sort of way there. Yes. Like, you can't hurt me. And that thing, along with the fact that the reason he was able to escape all kinds of things bo both times was he carries a razor with him on a chain that he uses for cutting. And, oh, it's so unsafe. It's just on a necklace, just hanging around his right. chest. Like, that's the worst idea ever. But because he had that, he was able to use it to cut himself free twice. And that, plus the whole face getting tough thing is just like in the movie split and it's a problem you had with the movie split that this person's suffering made them strong like the only reason he's getting through this at all is the fact that he cuts himself and he's got these issues so 
It's interesting. You're right. And I'm trying to think about why this felt different to me because I did not have the same issue. Like, mm -hmm. yes, this this movie, The Loved Ones, I, I am going to be putting a trigger warning. Like, I oh, think yeah. we should put a trigger warning about cutting at the beginning of this because we we're going to end up talking about it so much because it's such a big part of the story. And it doesn't feel like it glorifies it the same way that the other one does because it's not, what is it? In Split, that's the only reason she survives. And in this movie, that put him in a place maybe to be able to get through the torture without breaking the way somebody else might have, but then he has to overcome that. Like it's that hmm. light switch moment, I think that makes the difference, but I'm not remembering the end of Split well enough to know if there was a moment like that that I'm just forgetting. I don't know. I don't know. This definitely felt different, but maybe I was just in a different place. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought I'd bring another deep part into this yes. discussion. No, I'm glad you did because I hadn't made that connection. And yeah, that's a good question. Another deep thing about this movie is that this kid is the worst driver. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's that stretch of road, man. Yeah. Like there's always someone standing in the middle of that road. <laughs> well, he intended for there to be someone in the middle of the road at the end, but it was the wrong person. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, like... He hits, well, he narrowly misses two people and hits a third person. And causes someone to die without hitting them as well. Yeah, it's a bad stretch of road. And um, I don't think that everything that happened here in while he was saving himself is going to go very far in terms of him being more comfortable driving <laughs> or his mother being more comfortable letting no. him drive. Well, I think, I mean, at this point, it's like, hire him a driver. <laughs> he deserves it. His girlfriend has a license now. Yeah. Let her do the driving. And she was being very welcomed into the family at the end. Yes. Yes. Because she showed that she was caring and interested in saving him. Yes. I'm not sure I feel as satisfied with how the uh, Jamie and Mia go to prom and get kicked out for being inappropriate storyline. Yeah. I don't know what we get from that. It's interesting. That whole storyline, in fact, felt like filler. Like, I think you could Maybe. do away with both of those characters and nothing really changes in the movie. Like, the dad could still be all, you know, sad because his son is missing. Mm -hmm. There could be, we could see the mom instead. Like, I Mia's mean, mom could I, be the one yeah, who blames him or whatever. Like, Because what we got from it was, like, the emotional impact of the kid who was missing. You know, Mia was all a ball of that emotional impact. But, yeah, I don't know what the entire prom section of that was for. Like, if Jamie's character disappears? Yeah. I mean, he's just a horny kid taking, sort of taking advantage, but not really, not really, of the fact that Mia is messed up. Like, I liked the fact that he had the opportunity to take advantage. Well, he did, but not to the extent that he could have. Yeah. I mean, he, he did okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just, I feel like that whole storyline was kind of unnecessary, and it's possible that something got cut that made it more important yeah, and then we lost that. Or it's just possible that they were like, a braid needs three parts. <laughs> and they, you know, just put that in there. I mean, I feel like I kept expecting them together, Jamie and Mia, to be 
to go to this house too for some reason right to somehow have some role in they never had any reason to they didn't even know anything was happening which is weird no and i just realized mia's dad the cop realizes like like holly realizes that lola was the person who asked brent to the dance and got turned down and she's like oh maybe that's important she tells the cop the cop realizes this kind of feeds into your idea that he knew where his kid went and what happened to him but then why didn't he follow up on that and like why were these people still in their little redneck fee well maybe they just couldn't you know there was no evidence they couldn't do anything to them which makes it all the worse maybe but so he hightails it out there to the stone house finds what's going on finds brent is about to save him and then gets cleavered in the head and dies immediately like so now mia not only has a brother missing but her father has just been murdered by the crazy rednecks yeah that that girl is not she's she she needs a lot of therapy well, maybe that's set up for the sequel where she's going to start kidnapping boys. <laughs> maybe. Ratings. Even including actual sequels, this is the first time I've seen a movie that felt like House of a Thousand Corpses to me. And I was like, oh, we're doing this again. This is happening. <laughs> this is happening again. But as I mentioned or hinted at earlier in this podcast, I will not watch this movie again, and I would watch House of a Thousand Corpses again. For real? It was nowhere near as horrifying as this movie. (laughs) At least in my memory, from what I remember now, years later. This was a really good story that I don't entirely know what all the reasons are, but it just sucked me right in, and I was just there for it, and completely bought in and willing to half watch the torture in order to get there and see what's happening but the torture was just off the chain or on it and wrapped around your neck whatever it was bad it was crazy torture and really it it's not as crazy torture as some of the other things we've seen it's just way better executed to the Mm -hmm. point where it was too awful the sound effects were more than enough to not want to see this or hear this i guess again it was very unpleasant the end was very satisfying and very pleasant and i liked it (laughs) so it was really really well done my only well before we had our conversation my only complaint would be that it was just so horrific that it was like not enjoyable to watch like i didn't want to be watching it but after our discussion also that whole plot line about mia and jamie just doesn't fit in at all and i feel like that's something actually wrong with the movie and then there's the mystery of the uh guy who got away or didn't get away and that's pretty strange so those were kind of imperfections in this movie that felt really perfect very impressive thing I will give this movie four and a half paper crowns out of five. Okay. When we looked this movie up on IMDb, it talks about the inspiration, like some of the movies that inspired Mm -hmm. the creators of the loved ones. And it included Carrie, the Stephen King movie Carrie. You can see that. You can absolutely see that. And 
I thought that was extra interesting because one of the notes that I made was that the storyline had a very Stephen King feel to it. Yeah. Like, that's the piece... That's how you know it's a good story. That Jamie Mia storyline feels very Stephen King. You know how he, like, bird walks off into, <laughs> like, the, the details of people's lives, even side characters. Yeah. And, like, they, they took that thing that he does and they just went a little too far with it and forgot because when he does that it always comes back. There's always a reason for whatever little piece of information we learned, it becomes yeah. relevant. And that's what was missing because it their storyline, seeing what they were up to, was interesting. And I'm like, well, what's mm-hmm. going to happen next with that? And then the fact that it doesn't mm-hmm. go anywhere is is the only thing wrong with it. It was totally interesting until it failed. Right. So it definitely had a Stephen King feel to it. They also mentioned... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which yeah. obviously, like, you can definitely feel that. And they mentioned Quentin Tarantino movies. And the yeah. the in-your-face gore of it <laughs> felt Tarantino-esque. His movies always feel like he's going to do the thing that makes you flinch. And that this definitely had that <laughs> oh, aspect. It certainly it. did. And all of those things like come together in such a nice way. And then when you put it with it, like really strong writing, really strong acting, everything you need, like you were saying, to make the movie feel as visceral and as just aggressive as possible, Mm -hmm. all came together. And while, like I said at the beginning, this is not a movie that I enjoyed watching per se, but... (laughs) This, to me, is the epitome of horror movies. Yeah. Like, it takes the best parts of every genre, or all the big genres, and just melds them all together in this horrific melting pot. And I am going to have to give this a 5+, even with agreeing 100% that that one plot line is very broken, I still, it just is everything you want in a movie. And it made us think there were so many layers to it. Yeah, it was so hmm. well put together with the storylines and the wraparound and connecting everything. Yep, and the uh, subtlety or nuance isn't really right, but like just all the feelings that they make you feel. Yeah. Oh. They definitely nailed it to the floor watching this movie my body was uncomfortable (laughs) yep me too which means they were doing something right because all i was doing was watching and i was physically feeling discomfort that's pretty impressive yeah so i mean it makes me feel like i should do a five plus two but no. I did my four and a half. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think your four and a half is completely justifiable. Like, I, I get it. But for me, that just wasn't enough to take it out of that place where I've sort of, you know, mind blown sort of yeah. movie. I'm mind blown for me, too. Like, I really just was sucked in in a way that none of the other movies have done. Yeah. So I'm going to raise my four and a half to a five. Not a five plus, though. Okay. Okay. It's a five, everybody. I got it in under the wire. 
I'm glad you did because otherwise like an hour later, an hour from now, you'd be like, ah, oh, I feel like I should have rated that movie differently. Yeah. That's always sad. I might still do that. <laughs> so having talked about that, our favorite movie of the whole month. <laughs> Which is amazing that we, MovieBot actually, chose it to be the last movie of the month. Yes, it ended up not because of our little rearranging that had to be done, but it would have been... And, and it is actually the last movie that we're watching. Yeah, it's not it the is. last one you guys are hearing about. S- secretly, we actually already made the last episode. But it was a perfect culmination, as far as I'm concerned. Paired with that... <laughs> yes. ...is the... Evil Twins. The Last Ones from 2012. Yes, it is. That is what's paired with it. Here's my thought on the last ones. I identify with the makers of this movie, and I wanted to pin this movie as like a bunch of college kids making a movie, which is something we often say. Felt that way. But whether that's true or not, I don't know if it is, these people are technically professionals. This movie is available for sale. People can buy it. So it has to be judged as such. Like, you are there. You're in the market. This is a product we can buy in the movie market. And that's where I identify with them because I, too, am what should be called a total amateur video game maker. Makes cheesy crap, but I'm selling it for money to human beings. So I'm a professional. Hold on. It's very similar product. Hold on. It is not, first of all. You create a quality product, (laughs) and I believe I have said this before in podcasts, but you do not give yourself enough credit for what you accomplish. Just because something is cheesy or silly or cartoony looking does not mean that it is not impactful and powerful and meaningful. Just like this movie. Well, no, I was talking about you. (laughs) I know. So The Last Ones is a black and white film. Yes. About zombies. Yeah, it's one of those uh, people trying to survive in the zombie apocalypse things. And it has a twist. Yeah. And honestly, that's the thing I will give it credit for. Like, that was a pretty clever twist, interestingly done. But getting there was slow and tiresome and really bad acting. Yeah, it was really sad. Yeah. I mean, oh, like sometimes it's bad acting and I just want to make fun of them because they're ridiculous. But I feel like these people were putting their whole hearts into this movie and I can appreciate that. But at the same time, no, 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 not good. And yeah, and the writing and just, yeah, it's, it's like that. It's, it reminds me a lot of the Bad Ben series. That was just one guy, but same idea. Same idea. And we appreciated that, too, in yeah. that, that he was doing a thing. He was not doing it well, but he was <laughs> doing a thing, and he was doing it with his whole and heart. see, I identify with him. I'm very much like Nigel Buck, the creator of Bad Ben. See, I feel like that's the last time we had this conversation where I was like, nah. <laughs> I okay. feel it, though. No, I, I, I understand. I understand the feeling of it. I do. This one reminded me of Anna. 
in that it was a similar level of skill. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I feel like I was a little less compassionate about Anna. Right. That one did not feel like heart and soul were put into no, it. No, it felt like they just thought too much of themselves. And, you know, it was that like white frat boy privilege sort of feel. Yeah. That may not be what it was at all. Maybe they're very wonderful people, but that's how it felt. But Anna did not have any kind of fun, redeeming twist to it. No. There was nothing about that that made me go, well, okay. I mean, I see what <laughs> Not you're even doing. the scene about the plate of vegetables. Especially not the scene about the plate of vegetables. <laughs> like, these people, English is their first language. How did they even write that scene? I don't know. I really don't know. So without the ability to spoil the twist, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about this black and white cheapo uh, $40,000 budget, I learned. So that's the I mean, that's, that's the amount. It's impressive. Is it? To make a movie. I mean, it's yeah. to make a movie is impressive. Yes, it I, is. You know, they accomplished a thing. They did. And they put it out there and it film festivals and they got a bunch of awards, which I saw somebody discussing how they get scared when they see, you know, long list of film festival awards because they know that that's yeah. just, it's like, I get these emails all the time from random little download sites that are like, your game has won the best in the world award <laughs> from our website. And I'm like, cool. I'm not, I'm not going to tell I'm anyone this about email. that. <laughs> No one could ever possibly care. And also, I know you send that to everyone who's on your website. Right. But I'm just going to rate it. I'm going to give this movie one plate of meat out of five. Okay. It was just so boring. I really wanted it to end the whole time we were watching it. It was. This movie was slow and painful through a lot of it. Some of that was the dialogue and the pacing of how people were saying things. Yeah. Some of it was that there were scenes that were unnecessary or oh. that went on longer well, than were I necessary. Think, I think it's one of those things where they had a little idea and then they had to make a whole movie. So they're like, yeah. well, then we're going to show him going to the store. Uh, yeah, I do think so. And I think that the little germ of an idea that they started with is brilliant. Make a short film. Absolutely. A short film based on that idea would be amazing. But when you take something that is meant to be a short film or a short story and you try to bulk it up and pad it into a full-length movie or a full-length novel, you end up with a slog. And unfortunately, I feel like that's what happened here. And then they made it more of a slog by making it as depressing as possible with music (laughs) and flat affects and oh, I don't know if that was intentional, but it happened. I mean, I think it was, but and then and then is exacerbated by the bad acting, but <laughs> yeah. like and then the black and whiteness of it and just uh yeah, it was painful. However, that germ of an idea, that unique thing that they had going on in the story is enough that I am going to give it two plates of meat out of five. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. And here's the thing. It might be somebody's cup of tea because if you're the kind of person who likes film festival award-winning movies that are done in black and white and take forever to watch, (laughs) 
It was a short movie, too. <laughs> it was. It was like a TARDIS. It had more minutes on the inside. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> like, maybe this is the movie for you, but it is not the movie for me. So, yeah, that wraps up this episode. It does. Are we going to tell them about the super special Last Day movies? I think so. That's our next okay. episode, and they have to watch them so they can listen to us. Mm, sure. Because we had to chop out a, a pair of movies from this list, we skipped MovieBot for the final round, and we're going to be watching movies that we actually came across this first movie in the process of trying to look up who can kill a child, because this first movie is called What Have You Done to Solange from 1972. <gasps> what? So that, we couldn't resist that. No, that was amazing. I was so excited. To see a movie with my name in it. And to pair a movie with your name, the obvious choice Obviously. is The Possession of Michael King from 2014, because my name is Michael. Obviously. Like, I love that that it's not just our names, but like our full names. Our, not <laughs> yes. full names, but like our whole first names. Yeah. Not nicknames or anything, just like our legal first names. Also... You can't tell from hearing this, but they those two titles are exactly the same length. That's an interesting coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> it makes them evil twins. So I'm sad that this year is basically over because, like I said, we secretly already made the last one. But that's that. But here's the thing. It's not really over because we'll be back tomorrow. With those movies we said. Woohoo! Woohoo, Solange! Woohoo, Michael! What have you done, Solange? <laughs> To Michael. Possession. Investors want in because they're like, oh, that burn rate is ridiculous <laughs> is that is that why people invest they're like wow you're spending so much more than you're making i'm intrigued i mean there must be a reason right <laughs>